It's summertime, aren't you grateful? Yeah. You're probably wondering, what was that all about? Well, what we have, I don't know if you noticed when you walked in, there's a display. It's set up for summer. There's sand, there's a chair, there's, a, there's an umbrella. And inside the ice chest is six, a six-pack of flyers because we want you to work on your six-pack this summer. Does that sound good? So we as a church are going to be working on our six-packs all, all summer long. We're going to invite our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members. We're going to invite them to the house of the Lord. So on your way out today, pick up a six-pack six and just keep it with you in your car. Take it with you to the gym. Invite somebody to church that you don't know or someone that you do know. And let's work on our six-pack together. Sound like a good idea? Somehow got the same response in the 8.30. I just was figuring the 10 would be a little bit better, to, better than that, uh, that you guys would come in awake, alert, excited, full of life. That's what I was hoping for. That's what I'm believing for. Amen. So, so get that six-pack on your way out. Also, just a couple quick announcements for you so that you know. E-Connect. E-Connect, if you've not gone through it, no, don't know what it is, haven't heard about it, E-Connect is our pathway here at Elevate Ministries to get you connected with God, get you connected with other people, and get you connected to your purpose. Amen? And so there's, there's, it's a, it's a, you say, what, what is E-Connect? E-Connect is an online course that we've prepared for you. It's um, done right here on, by our staff, and it's literally a course about our church and, and how you can be a part of it. And, and we really want you, if you haven't gone through eConnect, we want you to do that. There's several ways that you can jump in. You can jump in on our app. You can jump in uh, at our website online. You can also just text the word connect to 714-970-4716. If you text that word connect, it'll send you a link that you can start just in your, in your own time, in your free time, you can just kind of go through it. It's, it's, a, it's a painless class. We want you to do it, and we want to help you get connected. Somebody say amen. amen. A couple announcements for the guys. Men's discipleship is happening this Saturday at 9 a.m. So we don't have very many um, just for men gatherings, uh, but this Saturday is one of those. There's going to be an axe-throwing competition that's going to be happening. There's going to be a, a fresh breakfast served right as you walk in. And then we have a great message from the Word of God brought to us by Randy Emerson. He's a guest speaker we're bringing in. I know that you will be impacted by this Saturday. So all of the men, this is something you don't want to miss, all right? We want you to be a part of that this Saturday at 9 a.m. And then also for the men on Father's Day, two weeks from today, we're going to have a tremendous service plan. We're actually going to be giving away a Yeti cooler. We picked that up this week. Johnny would send me pictures of it. They are sweet. Uh, there's an opportunity for all of the fathers to win that Yeti cooler. Many different ways that you can win it, and uh, you'll have to come to see what those ways are. Uh, but we want you to be here Father's Day. If you're a dad, invite your children to don't come to church and say, it's Father's Day. I want you to join, with, join me at church. If, you're, if your father doesn't come to church, tell dad, hey, it's Father's Day. We want you to be with us at church. Bring your dad to Father's Day at Elevate. It's going to be fantastic. As, as Abby stated earlier, it's, it's Mission Sunday. Every first Sunday is Mission Sunday, and we receive a special offering above our tithe, above our offerings, that we, we bring for missions. And uh, Abby talked about Ghana a little bit, and I noticed she mentioned a guy by the name of Nate. Nate is one of the disciples in, in the church there. I actually talked to him this week, 
and um, he said things are going so well in Ghana. It's a great ministry to be a part of, and that's one of the, the missions that we support regularly on a monthly basis. But during this summer, there's so many things happening as far as missions is concerned. Um, as you know, last month, Carrie and I traveled to Guadalajara. We met with all of our pastors uh, in our Mexico branches, all met with us in Guadalajara for a time of retreat and a time for them to hear from God and get a word from God. We were so blessed to be there, and God did some um, tremendous things. It's so awesome to see the young disciples uh, taking, taking, uh, uh, taking their place in those churches. It's just, it's just really, really amazing. Uh, this Next month, we're going to be going to Tijuana for their conference. They have their, their annual uh, Bible conference. is going to be at our main branch, our central branch in Tijuana. We'll be a part of that. In August, I'll be flying to Mexico City and to Culiacan and also to uh, Monterey to be a part of those gatherings that are happening there. So all summer long, we're a part of missions. How do we do this? It's through missions giving. So I just want to thank every, there's so many of you that every month give to missions, and that, that's so crucial. It's such a key part of what we're doing here at Elevate Ministries, and thank you for that. If you've never given to missions, today's a good opportunity to start. It really, really is. Missions is such an important part of what we do. Amen. So we're going to get into the message this morning. Uh, last week, Pastor Carl kicked off our series, I Need Dough. How many enjoyed that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it so much. Pastor Carl did such a tremendous job. And, and the, the theme of, the, uh, of this month is I need dough, but it's spelled K-N-E-A-D. And, and this idea of, of, of money and bread. And Pastor Carl made the correlation that both bread and money are synonymous because you need them both to survive. They're everyday essentials, aren't you? How many need some dough right now? All right, we all, we all need dough. And Pastor Carl made the point last week that we need our dough. And it was this, this picture of, of working and, 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 and the idea that the money, God never intended for money just to be handed to us. If, if that was the case, he would have had it grow on trees. But money doesn't grow on trees. How many know that? God created us to be able to work to obtain financial increase. And so Pastor Carl spent a long time last week talking about the value of work and the benefits of work, that there, it's so much more than just finances, but finances are a part of it. But there's, there's a sense of accomplishment that comes when we work hard. That's why it's important that we do that. But, but he also talked last week that not only do we work to give us an income, that, that, but we're not meant just to, just, to, just, to, just to get money and spend it. But, but God gives us the ability to obtain wealth, not to just spend it all, but there should be something inside of us that says, you know what, I want to preserve some of this income for the future. And Pastor Carl talked about the, the, the biblical principle of not spending all that we get, but also holding some back for, for the future. And, and wise servants must save and, and, and collect interest in order to produce an increase for the future. And, and I, I loved how Pastor Carl last week said, if you need help in this area... If you need help in learning how to uh, save for the future, how to invest for the future, Pastor Carl made, the, made it a, an opportunity for you just to reach out, and we'd be happy to help you with, do that for, for your own personal finances. But this morning, I want to continue along in this theme, and I want to talk about uh, the value of stewardship. I want to talk about stewardship, and, and kind of a subtitle to that is, it will never be mine. Maybe turn to your neighbor and say, it'll never be mine. 
It'll never be mine. It'll never be mine. Such an important concept that I want you to just to kind of keep in your mind this morning during this message. Also keep with you throughout the week. And we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to read with you a story. And, 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 and it says this. Maybe follow along on the screens today. It says that two women came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened three days after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. So she arose in the middle of the night. She took my son from my side. And while your maidservant slept, she laid him in her bosom and then laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him, indeed, he was not my son who I had born. Then the other woman said, no, the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. Thus they said before the king. And so the king responded, this one says, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And this one says, no, your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. Then the king says, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke up before the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither, be neither mine nor yours, divide him. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him, for she is the mother. The cry of a good steward is this, it will never be mine. It will never be mine, it will always belong to you. So I wanna to talk to you this morning about the value of stewardship. And so when we're talking about finances, I just wanna start off by saying this, that I am so proud of this church. So proud of this community because, because we talk about faith, and we talk about sacrifice, and we talk about generosity, and you'll hear us talk about these things all the time, not just when we're talking about money. And these, these subjects that we've talked about, so many families and individuals in our church understand this stuff. I mean, I don't think we saw this anymore uh, in, in a greater fashion than at our, at our annual Heart for the House offering this year. Do you know that we received the largest single offering ever recorded in 38 years of ministry took place just a, just a couple months ago at our annual Heart for the House offering? And that's because there's, there's people in this congregation that understand generosity, that understand sacrifice, and that understand faith. And we've also seen the fruit of that because how many know God rewards that? So we've seen the fruit of this, this understanding because in 2020, 2021, I think most of us would remember the housing market here in Southern California had gone through the roof. And, and there was on the news and everywhere you went, you'd, you'd hear stories about people who were lining up, overpaying for houses and over, overpaying for properties. And I, I know personally, Brent and Cindy at that time were looking to purchase a home and they were literally going to absolute dumps. 
that were complete gut jobs. And people were overpaying close to $100,000 in cash just to purchase a home. And so they know firsthand how it seemed impossible to be able to purchase a house during that time. But it was in that season that God rewarded the faithfulness and the sacrifice of so many families right here in our church because numerous families in that climate were purchasing homes right here in Orange County. At a time when they said it couldn't be done, people that felt like it was impossible, even the people who were buying the homes in our church said, we'll never be able to do that. Those people were buying houses, miracle homes. And I love what Rick Finley said at, 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 on a Wednesday night when he spoke recently. He says, we're taking ground one house at a time. And when he said that, my heart just resonated with that because I believe that's what God wants. I believe that's what God wants. So this morning, I wanna share with you what I believe is a life-changing word. And I believe that if you can apply this word to your life, it, will, it has the potential to change your entire life. And I recognize that I say that literally every time I speak. But I, I really believe, I know this to be true because this revelation has changed my life personally. And I believe that if you'll apply this word to your life, it'll give you the resources that you need in order to expand territory in your life, whatever that looks like. Are you with me today? I, I wanna publicly thank my parents, first of all. I wanna thank them because they're the ones that introduced the value of stewardship to me and, and, and to my family. And so I am, uh, this church is, we are benefactors of their stewardship. O over the last however, however many years, I think my dad, you, we would all recognize there's a brilliance in his mind when it comes to finances. And so as a church, we're benefactors of that. My dad for the last 38 years has stewarded the finances and, and has, 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 has kind of uh, led this ship and steered this ship financially for nearly four decades. And we wanna thank you for that, Pastor Carl. Uh, so I know for myself, myself personally, for, for my kids, uh, uh, my, my kids for this campus, for our North Campus. We're talking about Albuquerque. We're talking about soon-to-be Reno, a Tampa that just opened up. All of our churches in Mexico, all of our churches in Ghana. Everything that we've touched is impacted by Pastor Carl and Sister Bonnie's faithful stewardship to the house of God. And so we're so grateful for that. Now, stewardship is one of those subjects that doesn't really get a lot of airtime in a church. You don't hear a lot talked about stewardship. What is talked about a lot in church is giving by faith, sowing and reaping. I mean, you've heard sermons on that. And what is talked about is generosity. When it comes to money, that's what you're gonna hear preached a lot about. Giving by faith, the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping, and generosity. And, and we preach that here. And the reason we preach those things is because we believe that we give by faith. We believe in the principle that you reap what you sow. Does anybody believe that with me this morning? We believe in the generosity. We believe that generosity reflects the kingdom of God. And so that's why we choose to be generous with our finances. Now, here's the problem. This is the problem I want you to grab a hold of with me today, that if you're constantly sowing, and I know there's so many people that are very faithful in sowing their, their finances to the Lord. If you're constantly sowing, if you're giving faithfully, Regularly, if you're a regular faithful giver, if you're generous with your finances, but you're not seeing breakthrough or favor in your finances, chances are you've got a stewardship issue. 
Are you with me today? And so I think we've got to talk about stewardship because it's probably mentioned in the Bible just as much as generosity is. Just, just as much as, but we miss it because it hides behind words like faithfulness. Are you with me today? And that's why we, we developed this thinking, and, and many people have developed this thinking in the church, is, is that all I have to do is give by faith, and then God will give back to me, and God will bless me. Are you with me today? And, and, we, and we, we, we had these scriptures that kind of go along with it, that, that if we give, that he'll give back, pressed down, shaken together, and, and, and running over. And you, you guys have heard these things. But one of the keys to God's blessing is generosity. And so that is true, but, but another key and another important part of that is stewardship. And I think many people miss out on God's favor, not because they're not generous. I think many people miss out on God's favor because they haven't learned to be a good steward. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's start with this. What is, this, what is stewardship? What does it mean to be a good steward? Stewardship actually comes from a Greek word that I can't pronounce, so I won't try, but the Greek word means managing a household. And so it paints this picture of someone that's looking after someone else's affairs, that's looking after someone else's resources. And this is a theme that you'll see literally all throughout the Bible. We know that Adam, God entrusted Adam to steward everything that was in the garden. We look at Noah, that God entrusted the future of mankind uh, uh, into Noah's hands. Abraham was entrusted to steward the promised land. Joseph was, was entrusted to steward a prophetic dream. Moses was entrusted to steward the children of Israel. Are you with me today? David was entrusted to steward the presence of God. The disciples were entrusted to steward an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paul was entrusted to steward the New Testament church. Jesus was entrusted to steward the will of the Father. And so literally all throughout the Bible, you see a picture and understanding of stewardship. It's a theme throughout the Bible. It's just kind of an underlying theme. And basically, it all points to this point. And it's the first point of this sermon and something you need to grab a hold of and understand today. And that is this, that everything belongs to God. Come on, say it with me. Everything belongs to God. And if you don't understand this, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't understand that everything belongs to God, you cannot and will not be a good steward. It's literally impossible because you don't steward what belongs to you. That's not what a steward does. A steward doesn't steward what belongs. You can only steward what doesn't belong to you. And so this explains why there's not many good stewards. Because most people only concern themselves with what benefits themselves. And God hasn't called us to own. He called us to steward. The heart's cry of, of a good steward is, it's not mine. It will never be mine. It always belongs to you. Psalm 24 underlines this point. It says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people belong to him. Come on, everything belongs to the Lord. Are you with me today? This word Lord, if you look it up, what it means in the Greek, it means ownership. And so that tells us that every time we say Lord, what we're actually saying is, God, you're the owner. We're saying, God, you're the owner. We're saying, God, everything belongs to you. We're only managers. We're only stewards. We've been invited into and entrusted with heaven's resources. And so our responsibility is to steward or to manage 
everything that God gives us, everything that God entrusts us to, we're managing, we're managing heaven's resources for kingdom purposes. But if you don't understand that everything belongs to God, you're gonna be a terrible steward. Why? Because you can't steward something that you own. It's literally impossible. If you don't understand that everything belongs to God, you'll be a terrible steward. And if you'll think about it this morning, you'll realize that it's true, that the things that you have a hard time stewarding are the things that you think belong to you. God, it's awfully quiet in here today. I hope that's a good sign. I, kinda, I hope that's a good sign that you haven't turned this off, but, but I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little worried. I think, I think there's two mentalities that we have. We either have an owner mentality or an employee mentality. But I don't think that's what the mentality God wants us to have. I think he wants us to have a steward mentality. And we, we tend to view our lives in one of two ways. We, we, we either view ourselves as an owner or we view ourselves as an employee. And we, we talked about this in church leadership. We've sat around the table, we've talked, and we say things like this. Man, how can we get people to have an ownership, to take ownership over something? So if someone's involved in ministry, our goal is we wanna help them take ownership. And, and, and I, I, think, I think a lot of times that thinking is wrong because, because I've come to believe that, that, that whether it's an owner mentality or an employee mentality, I think they're both wrong because we're not owners. Everything belongs to the Lord, so we, we can't be owners, but we're also not employees. If you know, employees just kind of say, well, it doesn't belong to me anyways. It's not that big of a deal. No, we are stewards. And so our goal is to get the owners who think it's theirs to help them understand it doesn't belong to them so that they're not lording it over everybody. No, it belongs to the Lord, and it's not our job to lord over anyone. We're meant to steward everything that God's entrusted us with. But the goal is also for someone who views themselves as an employee, someone who has just a worker mentality to realize, no, no, you're a steward too. That God has entrusted you, everything that you've been entrusted with, you are responsible to steward. It belongs to the Lord, and we're to treat it like that. Are you with me today? I'm talking to you about a stewardship mentality. And so despite where we're at in our lives, wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, we're responsible to steward our lives well where we're at. So we've got to take a stewardship mentality to every area of our lives. We've got to steward relationships. So I know we're talking about finances, but literally every area of our lives we're meant to steward. So we've got to steward relationships. Can I pass to you for a moment? If you're frustrated with your family, steward it better. I was a youth pastor for a long time. Probably over a decade of my life, I spent pastoring young people. And I would come, and a lot of times parents would view the youth, youth pastor as kind of the savior. And so if they were having a hard time with their kid in an area, they would talk to the youth pastor to do the dirty work. Hey, can you talk to my kid and tell him he's got to do his homework? Like, like God wants him to do his homework and stuff like this. And, and, and I, 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 began to, I, be, I began to think that, that, that hey, that's your job. No, you just want to be your kid's friend. You want me to do all the dirty work. But your, your job is to steward. Your job is to be the parent. And most parents who think it's their primary responsibility to be their kid's friend usually have rebellious kids. And so I would tell parents like, hey, your kid is 14 years old. 
Your kid's 14. You're not their friend. You are their parent. And so if you don't parent them and deal with their rebellion now, you're going to have to live with their rebellion for decades. You're the parent. You're the steward of your children. Can I talk to the parents? You're the steward of your children. You're not their friend. Your job is to parent them, to steer them, to steward them. And, 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 and yes, that. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're also meant to steward our marriages. How many know that? If you're always looking around at every other marriage, if you're always, always paying attention, wishing that you had something better in your marriage, chances are you haven't stewarded your marriage well. If you lost the fire, it's probably not because you fell out of love. It just, it's just because you haven't stewarded well. You're going to too many soccer games and not enough date nights. We have to steward relationships. Are you with me today? Some of you are, are, are stewarding bad relationships in your life that bear no fruit. In, in Matthew chapter 13, the master tells the servant, he says, this tree bears no fruit, cut it down. And the servant said, hey, just give me one more year, and if it doesn't bear fruit, then I'll cut it down. And some of you have let year after year after year of unfruitful relationships, unfruitful friendships that bear no fruit that you need to cut. You wonder why you're not experiencing blessing and favor. You wonder why you're not taking territory in your life. Could it be that you don't have people around you willing to take the land with you? Come on, some of you have brought, are struggling stewarding relationships. Carrie and I went through a season in our life where we'd experienced some heartache. We've, we experienced some, 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 some where we'd been backstabbed, where we'd been hurt quite a bit, betrayed. And, and we began to reject relationships out of fear. And God had to use some lady from a church that I don't go to to send me a message saying, God's trying to send you relationships. Don't be afraid. What was God saying? He's saying, I'm trying to give you relationships. You've got to steward them. You have to steward relationships that God brings into your life. And so today, I welcome relationship. I'm looking for opportunity to partner with people that God's trying to bring into my path. And I believe there's kingdom relationships. All of us are meant to steward. We've got to steward our health. So, uh, we've got to steward our energy. You, know, you ever notice that, 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 that so many Christians are, are, are not willing to break any of the commandments except when it comes to the Sabbath? Like it's the, it's the Sabbath is the only one that we willingly break. No one says, you know, it's okay to murder now because we're not under the law anymore. But, but, we, but we won't Sabbath. And we'll say, well, you know, I'm building the kingdom. I'm busy building the kingdom. I, I've only got one life to live and I'll have eternity to rest. Listen, that's, that's not Sabbath. You're, you're not taking care of your energy. And people will say things like this. Well, I tithe my time to the church. There's no scripture that supports that. <laughs> you Sabbath your time. Why? Because God wants to help you manage your health. We're stewards over our health and over our energy. We steward our spiritual lives. Are you with me today? You have to feed yourself. You have to feed yourself before you realize you need it. That's why at this church we have something called the daily Bible reading plan. To help you get into God's word and feed yourself every day. This is why we have a prayer hotline where we can pray together and believe God together. This is why we have e-groups where you can gather in small community. And here's the thing. You'll starve if all you ever get is a 45-minute message on a Sunday. You'll, you'll begin to think, well, I need, to, I need a conference. I, I, need, I need some sort of revival. I got to go on a missions trip to kind of get me going again. You forgot you're meant to feed yourself. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're meant to feed yourself. Grown-ups don't wait to be fed once a week. All right? You feed yourself on a regular basis so that you never lose your spiritual strength. We have to steward prophetic words. Aren't you grateful for the Word of God? you got people all over the place chasing prophetic words, jumping on YouTube, trying to get a prophetic word after prophetic word off their YouTube channel. Listen, it doesn't matter how many prophetic words you get if you don't obey them. A prophetic word isn't a guarantee anyways. It's just an invitation. And so you know how you steward a prophetic word? You obey them. You keep them in front of you. They become the lens by which you view your life. You know how our church stewards prophetic words? We take a word from God like you are important in God's plan, or together, together, or better is better than best. And, and, and these words from God become the values that we keep. This morning, we opened up the worship set with a song called See It Through. You thought it was a song, but it's really, it's our church stewarding a prophetic word. That, that song was written after our, our value that better is better than best. And so you thought it was a song, you thought it was a sticker, you thought it was a t-shirt or a slogan on a wall. No, it's actually a prophetic word that God's given our church that we're stewarding. Are you with me today? We gotta steward our mind and our thoughts. Second Corinthians says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. How many know your mind will introduce some crazy thoughts? Are you with me today? Contrary to what God has. And so we've got to steward our thought life. We've got to pull those, we've got to reel those thoughts back in. We've got to steward our bodies. You hear a lot about sex, drugs, and rock and roll in church, but you don't hear a lot about In-N-Out Burger. I mean, isn't it sad or wouldn't it be a shame if you were unable to physically do what God's called you to do because you were too physically unhealthy to do it? We're meant to steward our bodies. The Bible says that your temple, what, is a, is, is, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So much for the whole my body, my choice theology. When we're thinking about our bodies, stewarding our bodies, a lot of times we like to blame temptation for our problems. But I want to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to venture out to say that maybe it's not a temptation problem, maybe it's a stewardship problem. And something comes and tempts you, and you don't first tell yourself, no, no, this body belongs to the Lord. I don't own that. I, I don't have to put that in my body. It doesn't belong to me. When something comes along my path that my flesh is enticed by, the response should be, that's not mine. That belongs to the Lord. I'm stewarding my body for kingdom purposes. So if that iPhone is causing you to sin, cast it out. When you steward your mind, when you steward your thoughts, when you steward your body, when you steward everything, God brings favor, favor on your life. He breathes blessing on your life. We've got to steward our finances. We've got to steward our finances. And I think, as I just began to run that list off, I think it's easier to understand that we don't own all these other areas. But when it comes to our money, it becomes hard for us to, to, to say, it's not mine. Like everywhere else we get it, but when it comes to our finances, we have a hard time thinking it's not ours. Some of you are right now thinking, wait a second, what do you mean it's not mine? 
I punched a clock. I worked 40 hours last week. That check that was deposited into my account, that belongs to me. I worked for it. See, money tends to be the thing that we have the hardest time to stewarding because you can't steward something you think belongs to you. The heart of a good stu steward says, it's not mine. But you will give account for what you're entrusted with. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus told a parable of the talents. It's a, it's a parable or a short story about a good steward and a bad steward. And, and, and he says in verse 14 of Matthew 25, he says, it's going to be like a man who goes on a journey, he calls his servants, and he entrusted, there's that word, he entrusted his wealth to them. And to one he gave five bags of gold, to another he gave two bags of gold, and to another one bag of gold. Look at this next line. It says, each according to his ability. It does say that. Each according to his ability. I think it's important that you see this line right here. I think it's important that you see this because I think a lot of times what we can do is we look around at everyone else and we see what everyone else has and we can get mad at people for what they have but the reason you are where you are is because of stewardship. Now I remember in my own personal life I was going through a time in my early 30s, mid 30s and I would have these like freak out moments. Anybody have freak out moments in your life? And I remember it was a, it was a very crazy season in my life because my, all my kids were at home and, and they were all in school and, and I was working here at the church and I was, I was, I was transitioning from youth ministry to, 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 um, to, 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 to church general ministry and I was preaching on, on, on Sundays and leading worship and, and, and also leading the youth and missions trips and I had all of these different things, balls in the air, conferences and all these different things and I would say things like this all the time. I would say, I can't handle this. I would just like literally freak out. I can't, this is too much. There's too much on my plate. I remember complaining to my dad about it. We'd sit in the office and I would, I would complain about all of these things. And finally, I kind of felt the spirit of the Lord kind of prod me and say, Adam, you're asking me not to bless you. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm, God, I'm telling you, I've got too much on my plate. I can't handle this. I, I, there, there's no way I can keep on like this. And God was like, no, you're asking me, Adam, not to give you more. And I think sometimes we're frustrated with where we're at and what we've been given when what we really need is just the ability to handle more. Because if you notice in the text right there, he gave to each according to their ability. And so our prayer was, should not be, God, I need more, or God, I can't handle this. Our prayer should be, God, give me the ability to handle more. And so you look at this, this text, the word entrusted. The Bible says this man entrusted his wealth, but that word entrusted means close beside. I want you to grab this. That word entrusted means to deliver with a sense of close personal involvement. Close personal involvement. Are you with me today? I want to warn you with something. You're going to be very close to what God entrusts you with. What God entrusts you with, you're going to be very close to. And because you're very close to it, the temptation and the tendency is to believe that it's yours. In other words, because you gave birth to them. Or because you have the password to the account it's in. Or because you sleep there every night, or because you drive it to work every day, because you're so close to it, you thought 
it was yours. But the heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be mine. It will always be yours. Have you ever noticed that, that at this church, we don't take a bunch of time to, 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 to receive offerings? I'm sure you, you've been to churches, and, and we were one of them, where at one point in our, in our history, every single Sunday, we would give a short message on the tithe, a short message on the offering, and we would take time to pass buckets down the aisle for everyone to touch. And the reason we don't do this anymore is because we began to realize that people in this community just give to God on a regular basis whenever, whenever they, they get income. And so all throughout the week, it's amazing to see that all throughout the week, many of you, you give to God as you receive. It's, it's amazing. And I know this is not the case in, in, in many churches, but it is the norm here. But I think it's still important that we talk about giving. I think it's important that we talk about the tithe. Do you know the main reasons that people do not tithe? I'm gonna give them to you this morning. I think the three main reasons that people don't tithe is they're greedy, they're afraid, or they're poor stewards. And if you're greedy, you can go on YouTube and you can find some greedy theologian to help you understand and confirm your greed. If you're afraid, You'll never trust God with anything. You need to be delivered from a spirit of fear so that you're able to trust him. But the majority of people don't tithe, and the reason they don't tithe is because they say this, I can't afford to. Is everybody with me still? They say, I can't afford to. And I wanna tell you, when someone says they can't give to God because they can't afford to, this is a stewardship issue. It's a stewardship issue. The reason you can't afford to is because you're giving to God last. You, ne you never cannot afford the person or thing that you give to first. Because you give to first what you love the most. And so a tithe, what is a tithe? A tithe in the Bible is a tenth part. It literally means 10%. If you look up the word tithe, it has several words associated with it. It has the word testimony. It has the word test. It has the word law or responsibility. And some of you, you, you heard the word law and you're like, yeah, that's right. The, the, the tithe is, is Old Testament. It doesn't apply to us anymore because we're not under the law. We're, we're under grace. And yes, it's true that, that the law was written by God and given to Moses and the tithe was part of that. But actually the tithe predates the law. In other words, we don't see the tithe for the first time when the law comes along. We actually see it mentioned for the first time in Genesis 14, where Abraham tithed a tenth part of all that he had. Why would he do that? No one was preaching to him. No one was telling him to give his tithe. No one was teaching him about the tithe. He just naturally did it. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. He knew God. He had such an intimate relationship with God that he knew what God wanted before God even asked for it. You, you look a little bit further in Leviticus. The Bible says, this is before the law, the Bible says that the, that the tenth or the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. And that tells me that some of you right now have in your bank account what belongs to God. Proverbs 3 says that we honor the Lord with our first and with our best. We honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our crops. Here's the thing. You can never not afford to give your tithe when you give to God first. 
I want you to grab a hold of this. The problem is, is that people that struggle with money or people that don't have enough money, they struggle to give their tithe because they put God last. But let me say this, wealthy people struggle with the tithe too. Wealthy people have the same struggle. What do wealthy people do? They just wait to give their tithe. They just kind of hold it. But I want to tell you something, holding it back, delayed obedience is still disobedience. All right, we don't give when we feel led to. Exodus 22 says, do not delay in offering the first ripe fruits. You'll hear people say stuff like this. They'll say, well, you know, I'm just really going to pray about where I'm supposed to give my tithe. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you give it to the local church. You don't tithe to the Red Cross. It's a great organization. Praise God. If you want to give to them, that's fine. But your tithe, you take it to the storehouse. Your tithe doesn't go anywhere else. Man, it's quiet in here. Help me out today. Come on. So, so, so you say, well, when did Jesus talk about the tithe? I'm glad you asked. Matthew 23, Jesus said, he said, you should tithe. Yes. But don't neglect the more important things. And so I want you to understand. I want you to grab a hold of this. We're talking about stewardship but you need to understand that when you withhold the tithe, you're actually robbing God. Malachi 3, God says, he says that, will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me. And you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. And he says, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Let me ask you the question, what's the curse of robbing God? What's the curse of robbing God? Let me tell you what it is. You'll never have enough. You'll get all the raises possible. You'll get promoted and you still won't have enough. It's gone all the time. And you wonder why. You wonder even how it's possible. It's almost like a devourer comes. That's why God says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you don't have room enough? You have to get a bigger storehouse. When you don't have room for it, you've got to expand territory to make room for it. You're taking territory, like Rick said, one house, one business, one block at a time. And this is why it's so important for you to understand that your money, your tithe, it's not about the church needing it. God doesn't need your money. That's not what the tithe is about. Listen, your money, it reflects your heart towards God. Are you hearing me today? And so this morning, I know some of you right now, you're upset. You're ticked off. You're like, you're like, you're upset at me teaching the tithe when we never receive offerings in here. You're, you're, you're upset how I could say these things. Listen, if you're upset at what I'm saying right now, you have a money problem. I remember hearing one preacher, he said, he said, he said this. He says, well, if you can't give 10%, start with 3%. Just do your best. I mean, what, what, a, what a heretic, 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 what, heretical heretical thing to say. That's, that, that's like saying, well, if you can't be faithful to your wife right now, just do your best. Like, that wouldn't work, right? Like, that doesn't work. Why? Because everything belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. We're stewards of it. We, we do what he says. God doesn't need your money. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. Continue on with our parable. It says, after a long time, the Lord of these servants came back and settled accounts of them. So he who had received five talents 
came and brought five others. And he said, Lord, you've delivered me five talents. Look, I gained five more. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he, he went to the guy with two talents. And he said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I gained two more besides them. And the Lord said, well done, good and faithful. You've been faithful over a few. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy. And then, when, then, then he went to the one who had one talent. And he said, Lord, I knew, there's that word knew. I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. Now that word knew, I knew you to be a hard man. That word knew means intimacy. It means intimacy. Listen, if you are intimate with the master, if you are intimate with the Lord, you know he's not a hard man. You know that he's not a hard man. That, that, word, that word means unyielding. That word hard means unyielding. Listen, let me tell you what's unyielding. What's unyielding is the word of God. The word of God won't shift. The word of God won't bend. The word of God won't bow. You, you see this all the time where people, they have empathy for others and so they'll bend the word of God to try to, to, try to please other people or make it, make it easier for somebody. Listen, God's word does not yield. It will not change. And here's this, here's this guy. He says, he, says, he says, I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you wouldn't yield. Let me tell you something. God is a merciful God. His word will not change, but God's mercy is new every single morning, all right? His, his word will not yield, but there's mercy when you come to repent. And he says, I knew you were a hard man. So many people think they know God, but they don't. If you really know God, you know he's not hard. You know he's not harsh. He's a good, loving father. The truth was in this story is that this man was a poor steward and he didn't know God. He said, I was afraid. And look what he says. I went and hid your talent in the ground. I think it's important for us to look at this for a second. He took, the, he took what God entrusted with him with and he put it in the ground. It's a picture of sowing, sowing into the world. He, he put it into the earth. This man took what God entrusted to him and he sowed it into the world. That's bad stewardship. Bad stewardship is when you use your resources and talents and you put it out into the world. Good stewardship is using your resources and your talents to advance the kingdom. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. A bad steward means one of two things. You're either wicked or you're lazy. Bad stewardship means one of two things. You're either wicked or you're lazy. And at some point, those two, those two roads cross. At some point, those two paths align. Poor stewards, stewards are either wicked or lazy. He says, you ought to have at least, you, you should have just deposited my money with the bankers. And then at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Every time I read the scripture, I'm reminded of every time I get a bank statement. Anybody ever get a bank statement and you see your interest you get from your money in the bank? Anybody ever see that? It's like, it's super funny. Like, like, or, or maybe you get like a 1099 at the end of the year for the interest of, of your bank. And it's like, I can't even buy a candy bar. And you want me to report that to the government? Like, like that, that's crazy, all right? But he says, I want you to, I want, at least you could have gotten some interest. And what's sad is, the least that, that he says we could do sometimes is the best that we do. 
Do with it as you wish. But I want you to look at the reward that we see for good stewardship. Look at it. He takes the talent from the wicked and lazy one, and he gives it to the good steward. We look at, we look at that, especially in the United States, and the thinking that's going on in our, in our nation today. We look at that and we think, that's not fair. Like, that's, that's not cool. But that's what's happening in, in, in our nation. And we think that that's the fair thing to do is to take from the wealthy and use their money to pay for other people's education. Or use their money and give everybody a handout. But that's, that's not the kingdom principle we're learning here. The, the kingdom principle is that good, God rewards good stewardship. He says, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. In other words, good stewards will be given more, and that's why we value it. That's why we have to put a value on stewardship. Because good stewards, there's so, so much amazing happen, so many, many amazing things happens because of stewardship. Look at it right here, good stewardship. We can see this in the story we just read. Good stewardship causes growth. Good stewards engage in the Father's business. Good stewards manage their time, their talent, and their treasure well. Good stewards are accountable. Good stewards will rule over much. Good stewards are entrusted with more. Good stewards find favor with the master. But when we look at the bad stewards, bad stewards, they don't manage well. Bad stewards don't know God. Bad stewards are wicked or lazy or both. Bad stewards have nothing to offer their king. We get all of that from that one story. Stewardship is so important in our lives. Let's go back to the story we read earlier in 1 Kings chapter three. It's the story of King Solomon and the two moms. And one of, one of the mothers is a rightful, is a rightful mother, a legitimate mother, and the other is not. It's a picture of a good steward and a bad steward. Because we know the stories, we read the story, we realize that one of, one of the women crushed her son in her sleep. Her bad stewardship killed her future. And then she wanted what the good steward had. So they're arguing with Solomon. They're arguing, and one of them is lying. In, in verse 25, Solomon says, divide the child in two, give half to the one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was living spoke up and said, and said, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him neither be mine nor yours, divide him. And so we see the story of the king, he's testing these two women to find out which one was the good steward and which one was the bad steward. And the way that he would know is by the one who was willing to divide it. You see, the wicked steward was willing to divide, was willing to kill the child. The bad steward was willing to kill the future. The wicked mother says, if I can't have him, no one can. But the rightful mother, the good steward says, let him live. Let him live. He's not mine. It's not mine anyways. The heart's cry of a good steward is, it will never be 
mine. It'll never be mine. A good steward knows at some point I'm giving it away anyways. At some point, it may be close to me right now. I may be entrusted with it right now. I, might, I may have close personal involvement with it right now, but it's not mine. I'm just meant to manage the future. I'm just managed to manage, I'm just meant to manage the life and the purpose and the destiny, but it will never be mine. It's not mine. It belongs to him. A good steward says, I don't have to raise it as long as it lives. A good steward says, I don't, I don't have to raise it as long as it fulfills its destiny. I don't have to raise it as long as it has a future. Let it live. I think it paints this picture for us. And it brings us to a place this morning that maybe we need to take the things that we thought were ours. I think all of us have areas in our lives, areas where we've taken ownership. The things that you've taken ownership of and, and, and right now, maybe in this place, we could have some time with the Lord and we could begin to give it back to God because you can't steward something that you think is yours. You're simply managing heaven's resources for kingdom purposes. That's what we do. That's who we are. But you, you can't be a good steward if you think that you own it. And some of you, you've spent weeks, months, years worrying about your children. Listen, give them back to God. They don't belong to you. They're not yours. You're just meant to steward. You're just meant, you're just meant to manage. You're meant to parent. You're meant to direct. But they belong to God. It all belongs to the Lord. Everything that we do in this life Every area of our life we're meant to steward and we're meant to, to, to steward everything to please Him. I think some of us maybe in this room today, we need to repent for being poor stewards. God is, He's not a hard, mean God. And so maybe in this room, you, you began to, as I began to minister on stewardship, you realize in maybe one or more areas, the, areas in your life that you've just taken ownership, you think it belongs to you, and maybe you begin to realize, wait a second, it, it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And maybe some of you right now need to repent today for being a poor steward. He's not a hard, mean God. You guys remember the story of the prodigal son? Where the, where the prodigal comes back and, and, and there's this picture where the father ran to him. And, and it just tells us that in any area of our lives, when we approach God and say, Lord, I haven't been stewarding well. Lord, I, I haven't been doing right with, with what you've entrusted me with. Lord, I've been stealing from you. I, I, haven't been, I haven't been stewarding my marriage. I haven't been stewarding my children. I haven't been stewarding my life or my body or my mind. I haven't been stewarding my finances. When you begin to turn to him in any of these areas and repent, his mercy is so good. His kindness is so close. God loves a good steward. And maybe in this room you'd say, you know what, I, I, I need to repent for poor stewardship. And I need to become a good stewardship because, because I want you to understand and see today that good stewards bring joy to the master. Good stewards are rewarded. Good stewards expand the kingdom. And good stewards are given more. If you want blessing, if you want favor, if you want increase, in any area of your life, and especially with finances, we have to hear what God says and obey it. 
We have to realize that what God's given us is not ours. We've been entrusted with it and to steward it and present it back to God. Maybe all over this place, maybe we could just stand to our feet. And maybe right now we could begin to repent for areas in our lives where we haven't been stewarding well. How many, how many in this room you say, you know what? There's, there's some spots in my life I haven't been stewarding well. I've been a bad steward. Come on, let me see your hands all over this room. If there's, if there's some of you in this, maybe it's finances, maybe it's family, relationships, maybe it's your personal health, whatever it may be, your mind, your thoughts, and you say, you know what? I need to repent for that this morning. All of this room, let's begin to repent. Can we do that? Can we do that? Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. Lord, for my poor stewardship. Lord, I've been lazy. I've been neglecting. I've taken ownership of things that don't belong to me. And I recognize that you've, you, you've entrusted me with resources. You've, you've entrusted me with gifts and with talents. And Lord, you've, you've entrusted me not to take it as my own and Lord over it. Lord, you've given it to me, Lord, so I could steward and you've given it to me to steward well. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you'd help me to be a good steward. Come on, help me to be a good steward. Repent all over this place right now. I haven't stewarded my finances well. I've been robbing from you. I've been stealing from you. And today, I'm changing that. Maybe you'd make a commitment right now. I'm changing that. I'm not gonna give to you last. I'm putting you first. My heart posture towards you is going to be that of a steward. It doesn't belong to me anyways. I'm gonna be obedient with what you say. I'm going to steward what you've given me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for things that you've entrusted with us. Lord, the things that you've allowed us to have close personal involvement with. Thank you for that. Lord, help us not to, not to lose the understanding that it will never be mine. It will always be yours. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. Would you just say that all over this room? It belongs to you. It belongs to you. Come on, just say it all over this room. It belongs to you. It belongs to you, God. I give it back to you. Lord, I give you my children, Lord. I place them in your care, God. I give you my finances, my financial situation, Lord. I place it in your hands, God. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, as I steward what you've given me, Lord, to bless me as a result in Jesus' name. Come on. Lord, thank you, God, for entrusting me. Lord, give me the ability to handle more. Lord, give me the ability to handle more, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I belong to you. Maybe you're here today in this room, all over this place. And as, you, as we began to say that, I belong to you, you say, that's, that's a weird thing to say. I wanna tell you something. We read a scripture a little bit earlier where it says that you've been bought with a price. Your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. And you're, you're wondering, what, is, what does that mean? What, what, are, what are you talking about? Well, the price that was paid for you was Jesus' life. We know that Jesus came and lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life. And then, then he went to the cross and, and paid a penalty of death that he didn't deserve. Actually, we deserve that penalty because of our sin. But Jesus willingly gave himself up and went to the cross and paid the ultimate price so that you could be his, so that you could be redeemed, that you could be restored, so that you could be forgiven. That's what salvation is. That's that's what it means when we say that I've been saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from the penalty of our sin, which is death. And so maybe you're here today and you say, man, I, I want that. I, I, wanna, I wanna receive that into my life. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. That if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. 
Maybe you're here today and say, you know what, I wanna do that. I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna accept that payment to cover my sins. If that's you all over this place, I'd love to pray with you. Is there anyone at all? You just lift your hands all over this place. We're talking about stewardship and money, but God wants to touch your heart. Anyone at all, all over this place, you'd raise your hand. Anyone, anyone at all, all over, all over this place. I see that hand right there. I see that hand. You can put that down. Anyone else, you'd say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. All over here, there's a hand. God bless you, man. God wants to touch you. Welcome to the family of God, man. It takes a lot of guts to raise your hand. God's going to touch you today. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Amen, right there. Man, God's, God, God loves you so much. He's going to touch you today. You can put that hand down. Someone else, all over this place, side to side, front to back, God wants to touch your life. God wants to touch your life. Come on. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you raise your hand all the way in the back, right over there, and all the way in the back, right over here, and right here, right here in the middle, if you, if you, if you meant that, I want you to do me a favor. Just come down here. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Come on down. Come on down. You won't be alone. Come on down. I want to pray with you. All the way in the back. Yeah, come on down. 